Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Guys, it's really brilliant to be back and being able to to share with you what God has put in my heart for you guys this morning and for me personally. I'm always aware when you get up on a stage that maybe from the last time you spoke that people don't know who you are. I'm Steve. I'm married to Kathy. She's currently doing what I'm doing, but in there with the kids, teaching them. I have four kids, and I'm a self-employed joiner, and I'm part of the children and youth team. Uh, That's my passion, as you'll see this morning, and these guys are going to help me out this morning. So, we're going to learn this morning how to build a wall, how to build a wall, and we're going to look at the story of Nehemiah. Now, if I went around this morning and asked you where in the Bible was Nehemiah, I don't know if you know or not, but we're going to find out where it is now. All the guys from Breakout, up you come. Quick, up onto the stage. I've got loads to squeeze in this morning. I've been told I'm not allowed to go past 12, so pray for me, because I'm going to need it. So, anybody else who has been at youth, who wants to come up to the front and do the books of the Bible? Come on, Kevin, Andrew, come and help me out. Come on. Good lad, Adrian. Anybody else hiding at the back there? Right, so at youth... We've been learning the books of the Bible as well as the Ten Commandments, and we do a game, and basically what it is, if you don't know the next book in the sequence, you go and sit down, really cruel, I know, but you're not allowed to boo, but just that's the way the game goes. And let's see how many we have left on the stage. Right, we're going to start with Adrian, off we go. Genesis. Well, volume. Hello? We're on, we're green, we're green. Anybody got another one? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second King, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Joe, Ecclesiastes. Oh, you're gone, Kevin. <laughs> so we've got. What did you say, Andrew? Joe. Songs of Solomon. No, you're gone. Joe. Don't know. Go. Psalms. Psalms. Proverbs. Ecclesiastes. You're gone. Songs of Solomon. Good. Songs of Solomon. Isaiah. Nice and loud. Isaiah. Jeremiah. Lamentation. Can't say it without smiling. Ecclesiastes. Daniel. Well, wait, hold on. What were you? (laughs) I think you were... Right, we'll go back again, will we? Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, John, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First Thing, Simon, First Thing, Heed, First Thing, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Lamentations. So you're gone. Lamentations. Ezekiel. Lamentations. Ezekiel. Daniel. Hosea. Joel. 
Amos. Obadiah. Jonah. Habakkuk. No, you're gone. <laughs> Jonah. Micah. So we're on Micah. Micah. Mike. Nahum. Habakkuk. And Zephaniah. Haggai. Zechariah. Malachi. These two girls, I don't need that, do you? These two girls are sisters, so I think there might have been a bit of homework done. So give it up for Lily and Holly. So, now, I was going to do it where I was going to bring up some of the adults, okay? And I tried this at youth a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to embarrass the person but we never got past numbers. So we've been learning the books of the Bible. We've just started the books of the New Testament. And the guys on a Friday night as well, they've been learning them. Andrew and Kevin's here representing them tonight. But the books of the Bible, whereabouts was Nehemiah? Anybody? Roughly. End, beginning, or in the middle? Middle. Exactly. Nehemiah was just about the middle. Now, if you read the books of the Bible chronologically. Now, where's my mate? Because he explained it last week really well. Where did he go? He went and hit at the back. Where are you? There he is there. Brilliant. What does chronologically mean? Chronologically means to be in order by time and date. So, chronologically means to be in order by time and date. And he didn't have Google in front of him. He came out with it straight away. How clever was that? And that's what chronologically means. And if we took the books of the Bible chronologically, that's not how we have it today, okay? The book of Nehemiah would actually be the last book in the Old Testament. So the last story before we go into the New Testament where Jesus comes. And I think it's important to remember that this morning. And I think it'd be good for you if you are during the week and you want to look at, why not look on YouTube at the books of the Bible chronologically? There's a Bible that has been put together that has it chronologically that shows that Job is near the start. Right in the middle of Genesis is the book of Job. That's where that happens. And it also has the Psalms in where David's struggling in life. In the story where he's struggling, the Psalm that's linked to whatever he's going through his life is there, and it's really interesting. I encourage you to, to do that. So we're going to look at Nehemiah this morning, and we're going to build a wall. Nehemiah got word that his family home, the place where he used to live, Jerusalem, was in ruins. It was a mess. The walls were broken down. The place had gone. And do you know what Nehemiah did? tells us in Nehemiah chapter 1 that he got down on his knees and he wept. He cried. It upset him. But he didn't stay on his knees. He got up and he got about his job. Now, Nehemiah had a really good job. He worked in the palace for the king. He was the king cupbearer. And not only did he work in the palace for the king, he was friends with the kings. The Bible tells us that Nehemiah saw favor in the king's eyes. He was friends with the king. So, Nehemiah went in one day and he was a bit like this. And the king said to him, Nehemiah, what's up? He said, I'm sad. My home is wrecked. My family home is in pieces. I've been before God and I've wept before God. King, I need to go and help them. And the king saw favor on Nehemiah and he said, go and help them. But not only that, Nehemiah was cheeky enough to ask the king and he'd 
some guards. I need some letters to help me to give to the kings around that area, to give me materials to build a wall. And the king granted Nehemiah everything that he needed. And off Nehemiah set to his family home of Jerusalem. And he arrived there, and he surveyed the state of the walls. They were in a mess. What was the first thing he did? He got together a team. So I'm going to do that this morning. Team up you get. Okay? Now, every single one of you in this church who are sitting along this wall and this wall has a brick underneath your seat. So bend down, have a look under your seat. You've got a brick. And what I want you to do, I want you to pass that brick along the row and give it to my helpers. They're going to come and help you. Okay? And as Nehemiah started out, go on, there's loads of bricks over there, building the bricks of this wall around his family home, he put a team together. The high priests, they help build the wall. The goldsmiths, they help build the wall. Even the bin men help build the wall. And I'll be showing you that later on where it tells us that in the Bible. Every single person started to build the wall and help Nehemiah. You know, around Nehemiah's town, there was lots of people And they didn't particularly like what Nehemiah was doing. And do you know what they did? They started to laugh at Nehemiah, just like you're sitting there this morning thinking, Steve, what the flip are you doing? I came to church here this morning just to relax, listen to a wee story, and go home and you have me throwing bricks around. Yes, the same happened to Nehemiah. They laughed at him. But you know, Nehemiah, he carried on building. He didn't stop. And even then, people tried to distract Nehemiah. They sent them messages saying, Nehemiah, here, come here, I need you to do this. But Nehemiah didn't stop. He carried on building. And he carried on building. And he kept his eyes on what was going on. And then the people around him took it up a level. They said, here, why don't we attack Nehemiah? Why don't we get Nehemiah and we'll attack him? So what did Nehemiah do? He didn't panic. He said, to his people, I need some guards. So, I need some guards. Guards, up you come. And Nehemiah didn't stop building the wall. He got his team together. And he, no, just two. There's two guys who know who they are. Two guards, that's all he needed. Okay, he got his guards together. The team carried on building the wall. And the guards stood and protected the team. And the team came under attack. So, what did they do when attack came? What would, you, what would you do if somebody came shooting at you? Well, shoot them. <laughs> and Nehemiah carried on. He didn't stop. And there was another attack. So what did the other, when the other attack came, what happened? They shot him. We'll shoot them again then. I'm trying to build a wall here. I can't be shooting. And Nehemiah carried on. And he carried on. And after 52 days, Nehemiah finally completed the wall. Thank you, guards. Give the guards a big clap. The wall that Nehemiah was there to build build around his family, around his home, was completed. How? By teamwork. By getting his team together, and everybody took part. And I want you to remember that this morning. Alex, you forgot your brick. Somebody get Alex's brick there because I need Alex's brick. Thanks, Tegan. Because I want you to remember this morning 
as I talk to you from God's Word, that Nehemiah got absolutely everybody involved. Now, not one person in this church, if this was done right and you obeyed by the rules, has got out of doing some work this morning. Every single one of you have had a part to play in building this wall. Right from the Cramley crew at the back, to the guys on the sound desk, to Pastor Phil at the front, every single person had a job to do in building the wall that Nehemiah built around Jerusalem. I'm going to stop at this point. I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you and praise you for who you are. I thank you for this family of Ariat. And as I open your word now, and as I encourage our families, I just pray that the words from my mouth will be your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, my kids will tell you I'm not a particularly emotional person. Well, let's, let's rephrase that. My kids will tell you that I don't often cry, okay? I'm fairly emotional, but I don't cry. And sometimes God brings things into your life that get you fired up, just like happened to Nehemiah. What did Nehemiah do when he saw the state of the walls of his family home? He got down and he wept. Exactly right. He wept. And I've got to be honest, over these last few months, God has been putting on my heart the families of this church, the families of our young people. You know, in our youth, we had a quick survey, not, not with the kids, but me knowing the families of the kids. And I reckon that between 60 and 70% of the young people that meet here, around 40 to 50 young people on a Friday night or on a Sunday, come from single homes. There's no father figure in that home. And I've got to be honest, that broke my heart. I want to read this before I move on. Unless, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is, it is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sheep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in his hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man, happy is the man who has his quaver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Now, my quaver's pretty full. I was trying to find another version of the Bible that maybe had a different word, the quaver, because <laughs> I think of quavers as crisps. But basically, what, 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 what the psalmist David there is trying to say, happy is the man who has his children around him. Happy is the man who has his children there. And as we look at this book of Nehemiah, and as we look at the story of Nehemiah, I want you to think of your families. 
I want you to think of that wall of protection that we need to, and may I emphasize, we need to build around our families, around our children, and around our young people. And you might be sitting there this morning saying, I have no children. You might be sitting there this morning and saying, my children are all grown up and gone. You know, this affects every single one of us. Because you know why? Whenever a young person or a child walks through them doors, they become part of this family. Okay? And that's how I treat every single young person that comes through that door. They become part of my family. And I treat them like they're part of my family. And I'm passionate for them like they're part of my family. And that should be the same for every single one of you guys this morning. Why did I get you every single one of you guys to hold one of these bricks? Because every single one of us are part of this family. And we need to protect our young people. You know, the devil at the minute hates families. And I'm going to be honest with you, he's doing a good job of wrecking families, of smashing families to pieces. And I hope by the end of what I have to say this morning, I hope that I will be able to encourage you to build that wall of protection so that the devil can't come in with his sledgehammer and smash your families to pieces. Because that's what I see what's happening. That's what I see what's happening with society. That's why there's young people wandering around these streets totally lost. Because there's nobody there to fight for them. There's nobody there to build that wall of protection around them. The first way we can do that, and I'm going to fly through this this morning. I said to Phil I could do four or five weeks on this book in Nehemiah. It is amazing. And if you get chance, I'm a rubbish reader, so I don't read. I put it on audio on uh, YouTube, and I listen to it. And every time I listen to the chapters over and over again, I just get something new out of it. The book of Nehemiah is unbelievable. So how do we build a wall? Here we go this morning. We're going to learn how to build a wall of protection around our families. The first point, the sacrifice of consistency. You know, before I go into this, as a parent... You can't demand respect. As a youth leader, you can't demand respect. You earn respect. And that's in life. I see too many fathers particularly who demand respect. You are my child and you will do what I tell you. Okay? Sometimes that's good. But you can't demand that. You have to earn it. How do we earn that? By the sacrifice of consistency. What's the first thing Nehemiah did? When he saw the state of the family, his family home, he sacrificed his job. Now, I'm not saying leave your job, okay? But what I'm saying to you is, Nehemiah was willing to sacrifice a comfortable job in the palace to get down on his knees, scrubbing about in the muck. I'm sure Nehemiah wasn't on carpet with nice clean bricks with no spiders in them. Kathy said, look, if you're taking them bricks, you need to clean them. And I had to clean them the other day. Okay, Nehemiah didn't have that. He sacrificed his comfort to go to his home, to build a home. And we need to do the same. How do we have that sacrifice of consistency? First of all, in prayer. Nehemiah 3. Nehemiah 3, verse 5. Sorry, I wrote the wrong one down there. Nehemiah 1, verse 5. Nehemiah 1. What did Nehemiah do right at the start? And I said... Let's go back to four. So it was written, and, and, I, and I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for, the, for many days. He'd heard the state of his, of his city and his family home. I was fasting and praying before the Lord of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord, God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep 
your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. What did Nehemiah do? He prayed. And what I want to encourage you to do, three quick points. I want you to pray for your children. Okay? If you haven't got children, pray for these guys. I can quickly give you a list of names, and I'd love to do this. If you're interested, come and see me at the end. I won't give second names. Okay, I'll give you a list of 45, 50 names of young people that have come through them doors. Pray for them. Okay? That's what Nehemiah did. Consistently pray for them. Pray with your children. Okay? Pray with your children. Pray for your children every day. Pray with your children every day. And here's an important one too. Let your children pray. Okay, we have a tradition in our house. We have lots of traditions in our house, but this is a good one. After every meal, one of the children pray. It's Andrew's job at the minute. Andrew prays after every single meal to thank God for the food. We do it after the food because sometimes it's a riot when the food comes. So I used to always say we prayed after the food because we wanted to check it was all right first before we prayed for it. That's wrong. But yeah, so, so three points. If you're writing down, if you're taking notes, the sacrifice of consistency has to come in praying for your children every day. Pray with your children every day and let your children pray. Okay, the next one. Nehemiah 8, verse 1. When Nehemiah completed the walls, what did he do? He got the people together. Now, all the people gathered together as one man in an open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra and the priests brought the law before, which is the Bible as we know it now, the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month, and they read the Bible together. You know, right from the start, consistently, read the Bible with your children. Now, I have to confess, I mightn't do it every day, because sometimes now, as the kids are getting older, we used to do it at every meal. As the kids are getting older, some of them are at work, and we don't always eat together. But at least three or four times a week, we will eat together as a family, and we will read God's Word together. Now, that doesn't mean I open up the book and I start reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and read five chapters. No. There's kids' Bibles out there. There's loads of resources that you can do. Read a Bible story to your children consistently. That sacrifice of consistency is so important. So important every day. And the last one. We've been learning the books of the Bible in youth. Okay? So if I did that to you, Julie, what would it mean? Good, you shall have no other gods before me. If I did that, what would that mean, Lily? Don't bow down to idols. Brilliant. If I did that, Holly, what does that mean? Don't use God's name in vain. Brilliant. If I did that, what does that mean? Brilliant, keep the Sabbath day holy. We might as well go right on through. What does that mean? Honor your father and mother. Okay, number six. Dylan, what do you reckon this means? Come on, Dylan. Come on. So number six, all right. Do not murder. Brilliant. Okay. So number seven. Do not commit adultery. Excellent. Number eight. Am I right? Do not steal. Excellent. Number nine. Do not lie. Brilliant. So, number 10. 
do not covet. So we learn the, 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 the Ten Commandments using sign language. It's a good way for me to remember it. Never mind these guys. Number four. What's number four? Keep the Sabbath day holy. Now, this is a really important one for me, okay? The sacrifice of consistency. And when I was a child, there was a, a number of rules that you couldn't, couldn't, could do and couldn't do on, on, the, on the Sabbath day or on Sunday. And I'll be honest, a lot of them we still do in our house today. And I'm not going to go into them now because they're personal to us. And it's important that you make your traditions in your house personal. But here's one that is not up for compromise. On Sunday, you go to church. On Sunday, you go to church. That sacrifice of consistency, as we come into the summer months and even today, and I'm sure there's people not here today because of that big thing in the sky, okay? All of a sudden, the sun comes out, the beach seems attractive, and church doesn't, okay? No matter where we have been in the world, on a Sunday, we've done church. I'm going to embarrass my kids now too. We also do communion. And there's a fight over who makes the bread and who makes the wine and who brings it round. Okay? When we, we've been in caravans in Scotland, we've been in hotel rooms in Gibraltar, we've been sitting at the port at Larne on Sundays, we do church. We consistently sacrifice whatever we want. Why? Because all this time we're building that wall of protection around our family, a wall of protection that is going to keep the devil from doing what? doing what he's doing out there, smashing our families to pieces. And I'll be honest with you, in our house, it's been chaos sometimes around the dinner table. But we do it. We do it. It's been chaos sometimes trying to get out to church. But we do it consistently. Why? Because if we don't, what happens? Gradually. Don't feel like church this morning. Got a bit of a tummy bug. Look, we've worked hard all week. Why don't we head off to Newcastle for the day and get an ice cream? You know, Newcastle's open from 12 onwards as well, <laughs> just, just in case you didn't know. And gradually, that wall of protection disappears. I've said to my kids, guys, I'll take you to football practice, I'll take you horse riding, I'll take you swimming, I'll take you wherever you want, Monday to Friday, but all I asked of you is on a Sunday morning, you're in church. That sacrifice of consistency is so important in building those walls of protection around our families. So important. The second point I want to make is teamwork. Teamwork. Nehemiah in chapter 3, puts together an amazing team. And I think this is really important. You know, the Bible isn't just thrown together. The Bible is God's book. Whose book? God's book. Where's Alexander? The Bible is God's book and God's book. The Bible is God's book and come on, say it from the start. Every word is true. This book isn't just thrown together. Nehemiah chapter 3, teamwork. It starts at the top. Then Elisheba, the high priest, rose up with his brethren and the priests and built the sheep gate. You know, guys, if you're a father here this morning, and some of the men and women might kill me for this, but you're the head of your home. You're there to lead your home. 
I see too many men who aren't leaders. I see women leading the house. Talk to me at the end if you don't agree with that. My Bible tells me that the father should be the head of the home. He shouldn't dominate the home. You earn your respect. He should be the head of the home. I go to too many jobs as a joiner, and it's the lady who's telling me what to do and put this here and do that there, and the man sitting in the corner sort of quivering. <laughs> All right, and I can see some of you guys relating to that there. All right, I'm not going to the door speaking to that scary builder. Guys, we're there to lead our home. It starts from the top. The high priest built the wall around his house. The goldsmith built the wrong wall around his house. Let's have a look who came next. And just in case you didn't think there was a bin man, uh, Nehemiah 3, verse 13. Let me see. So, nay, uh, I'm, I'm rubbish with names. Some guy built the valley gate, all right? And then some other guy, he built the dung gate, okay? So, I would say that there's a bin man. Here's three gates. We've got the valley gate, we've got the dung gate, or we've got the fountain gate. Which one do you think, Tansy Belden? I know I wouldn't be minding Nehemiah would be at the fountain gate. Okay, but Nehemiah and the whole chapter 3 puts together a team where everybody gets involved. Everybody does their bit. Okay, dads, get up. Sunday morning, let's go to church. Mums, get up. Sunday morning, let's go to church. Everybody does does their bit. And if you're here this morning and you're in that privileged position, and it is a privileged position, and you should respect it and honor it, where there's two parents in the house, respect that. Okay, I've spoke to a number of our single moms here. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Who struggle every day, and I feel for you. My heart goes out to you. I know how hard raising a family is when there's two of you. But see, when there is two of you, work together as a team. Don't fight against each other. Get together. Make your decisions on what you want your children to do and don't do, and follow that through together. Okay? Nehemiah got his team together. Everybody took part. We have many discussions in our house. One half of the house builds tree houses and zip lines and climbing frames and trampolines in the back garden, and the other section works in A&E. Sometimes. So, just, just weigh up the discussions that we might have to have sometimes, yeah? But we get together, and we talk about it, and we discuss it, and we disagree about it, and we argue about it, but we do it together. Teamwork is so important as we build that wall of protection around our families, around our children around the ones we love. Single mums, and this is on my heart at the minute, having spoke to some of you. It's on my heart that we as a church need to step up. Like I said to you, if a young person or a child walks through that door, they become part of our family, my family. We need to step up and we need to help you. And I'm gonna be praying and talking to Phil and trying to put in place something that we can do to help you. We have youth on a Friday night. Use it, okay? We have children's ministry, which is amazing, on a Sunday. Please make use of it. Take that time out for you to come in here and have a break. 
And I think we need to take it to the next level. How are we going to do that? We're going to need your help. And let's look at it over these next few months. But we need, as a church, to step up. Every single one of you had a hold of one of these bricks. Every single one of you. And it's time for us as a church to step up and help each other. Help each other in practical ways. If you know a single mom that you get on with well, why not say, look, I'll take the kids to Airtastic. Why not say to them, I'll mind the kids tonight, even while you're going shopping. I see single moms going around shopping, trying to do the shopping with four kids around her, trying to help them. And I just want to go up and say, give me your kids. You can't anymore, sadly. I'll look after them. Go and do your shopping. Dads, get off your backside and go and do the shopping. Take the kids with you. Step up. Build that wall of protection around your families. Nehemiah 4, verse 6, says this. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Why? For the people had a mind to work. Challenge for you this morning. Have you got a mind to work? Have you got a mind to put the effort in for these young people? For your children, your family have to be the most important thing. Next point, protection. This wall is here as a wall of protection. A wall of protection around our family. A wall of protection around our church. Nehemiah built a wall. Why? To protect it. When he had built the wall, what did he do? He put two guards on every gate. He shut every gate. He closed the gates round. Here's one for you. Guys, if you're not at the gate, you can't protect it. Mums, if you're not at the gate, you can't protect it. Now, I understand that when you have children, that's not your life over. Here's a wee tip for you. When you have kids and you enjoy stuff, why not take your kids with you? That's a winner because you can still do what you enjoy. I'm there with you. Caitlin did St. John's Ambulance when she was younger. I played rugby. What do you think Caitlin became within the rugby team? A physio. And actually, I saw a guy the other day, which I haven't seen for four years, and he said, how's your wee girl doing? I said, she's not so wee now. She's 24. He said, I'll never forget her. Used to run on with a bottle. Used to touch it with a magic sponge, and up we got, and away we went. That's what happens. Yeah, if you love kayaking, why not go and get a kayak and take your kids with you? Yeah, if you love mountain biking, why not you get a mountain bike and take your kids? And yes, it's hard sometimes, and you want to just go and do it on your own. Appreciate that. And when your kids are younger, there is a time where you can't do that. But a little tip as to how you can protect and spend more time with your children and not give up what you enjoy, take them with you. Now, you do sometimes end up that the ones that aren't so keen at kayaking, you have to try and get them something to do too. And that's where it comes a wee bit more difficult. But protection, spending time at the gate, protecting your family is so important. Nehemiah put a guard on the gate. How do we guard? How do we fight for our kids? Nehemiah 7, verse 3. Nehemiah 7, Verse 3, 
And he said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while, and while they stand guard, let them shut the bar and the doors and appoint the guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at which station and the other in front of his own house. The other in front of his own house. If you're a Christian here this morning, if your house is built on the Lord, it's your job to guard your own house. Bring your children to God's house, and we'll help you. But first and foremost, it's your job to guard your own house. Where's my phone? Throw it, see it back, ah, brilliant. Uh, a couple of weeks back, Bethan got this as her reading book. Here's an example of how to guard your own house. Um, Bethan had brought it home from school, and this was her AR reading book, and I was sitting down to read through it, but I managed to get it off her before. This is how it read, okay, and, and I read the back of it. Dragons born, it's called. Erica's dreams are full of monsters. He has them all the time. Nightmares in his dreams. There are always dragons and girls screaming in fear and dripping scales. In the dreams, Erica flies. And when he wakes up, he sees a face in the mirror, the face from a nightmare. So that's the introduction to the book, okay? On the back of the book, young people around the world have discovered that dragon blood flows through their veins. They are filled with new power and new ideas, but before they reveal themselves to the world, they must find one another. So, your child brings that home from school as their reading book. What do you do as a parent? Do you sit there and go, that's disgraceful, that's terrible, but I'm not, I'm not rocking the boat. We have to guard our families. We have to protect them. I emailed the teacher straight away. I said, do you think this is advisable for my child to sit down at night before she goes to bed and read this book? Praise the Lord for Christian teachers. She replied, no, Mr. Graham, I apologize. I did not know that was in the book, the library of the school. Guys, this is what our children are getting sent home. How do we protect our family? How do we guard our gates? Really, really simply, by fighting for them. And I'm nearly finished. I'm going to round this up now. I have loads more I want to say, but I'm going to round it up. It's up to us to fight for these young people. We did a survey at Alpha. Now, this wasn't with our younger group. This was with our older group. So these are guys between lads. I had the lads between 14 and 18. And the first question I asked them was, what is the most important thing in your life? At least five or six of them said their family. These young people want you to fight for them. And it might be a struggle at home, and you might think, well, is this all worth it? Why on earth am I doing this? This is so hard, and it is, and it's exhausting, and it's hard. But they want you to fight for them. And I wish every parent of those child was sitting in that room as they turned around and said, the most important thing is not my PS4, it's not my Xbox, it's not my rugby, it's not my football. Some of them said them things, which is fine. They said it was their family and their friends. They want you to build that wall of protection around them. They want you to fight for them. My last point 
if Dylan wants to come up as we finish. This wall is built on a nice, flat, solid foundation. How do you build your wall of protection around your family? You build it on a foundation of salvation. Let's go back to that Psalm 127. And I, when I was looking this up, didn't realize that Psalm 127 carried on to, to say that our children are our heritage. But the start of that Psalm 127 says this, unless the Lord builds a house, we build it in vain. Folks, we're going to come around the table of communion. And I know in this church we have a fairly relaxed atmosphere around communion. But I spoke to our young people two or three weeks ago and explained to them what this was about. You know, what we're going to do here is an act of remembrance. Jesus, God's own son, had nails knocked through his hands, through his feet, a crown of thorns put on his head, and he hung on a cross. Why? For my sin, for your sin. And as we come before these emblems this morning, and that's all they are, there's nothing magical about these. It's an act of remembrance, an act of remembrance of what God did for you and for me. He made the ultimate sacrifice. I've asked you to make sacrifices this morning. God has asked you to make sacrifices this morning for your children, for these young people. You know, God sent His only Son, perfect, nailed him to a cross for you and for me to take the punishment for my sin. And this morning, if you haven't got down on your knees and you haven't come before God and said, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done. I just pray that you do that this morning. Because doing all this, reading your Bible and praying and coming to church is irrelevant unless it is built on that foundation of salvation. You know, Nehemiah went back round the walls a number of months later. The guards weren't there. They stopped obeying the law of Moses. They'd stopped praying. They'd stopped reading the Bible. And Nehemiah wept before God. And he said, God, I've done all I can. You know, folks, this morning, I've challenged you. I've challenged you about our young people. I've challenged you about your kids. You know, the only way that this wall is going to last is if you're right with God. If you're right with God. God sent His only Son into this world to save sinners like me and like you. Three days later, He rose again. And He is with us. He is alive. We're not here to serve a God that is dead. He is alive to help you put these things into place. He's helped me put these things into place. But do you know how? Because when I was five, I came before God and I said, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Come into my life. Help me to live for you. And I've struggled. And there's times I've been far from God. There's times I've been close to God. But he's been with me all the way through. Why? Because it's built on that foundation. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach 
others. You can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.